week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be... Like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way! What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Sobre 
Rita me espera con un placer que adivino y cuando sube el molino mi casa mi dicha encierra
You will come and find 
And good morning to you. This is the Labor and Love Show. And it's 10 o'clock. It's a Saturday. We're here to talk about labor. Labor opinion. Labor history. Labor commentary. Labor awareness. Labor law. You name it. And this show covers it. This is the show where we tell you if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, at the negotiating table, at the place where you work, you're probably on the menu. And never, but never let anyone anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Basically, we can sum up Mr. Trump's entire persona with one phrase. He's not a friend of labor. He doesn't respect people at work. He doesn't respect the rights of people at work. He's on the other side. He's a capitalist. And he's our president. Okay, let, we, we started out with uh, a nice little mix of things. Uh, we had Linda Tillery and her orchestra. Don't you let nobody turn you round. Don't you let nobody turn you round. Before that, we had Andres Jimenez the troubadour of uh, Puerto Rico. Sing Soy un Kibaro Borinqueño. I'm a Puerto Rican by birth. And we finished the opening set with a sad one because it was a sad week. If you have property or live in the area in Northern California, uh, in the forest between San Francisco and, say, uh, Mendocino, uh, your, your house was probably devastated. Your place was devastated. All of a sudden, it wasn't there. All of a sudden, fire like uh, nature, like whipping its tail, 
just throw off all these houses, all these homes, all these people. Is it? No. At any rate, our hearts go out to them and to, uh, to the song says, from Glen to Glen. I don't think there are many Glens left, but what can you say? One minute yes, one minute no. Like in Kurt Vonnegut's book, uh, Slaughterhouse-Five, hello, goodbye. And this is the Labor and Love Show. We've got a lot going on today. Uh, play some Clash. News about the NFL and the strike, not strike, the demonstration of players who take a knee during the national anthem. They've been commanded now. Dallas Cow. well, we'll get into that. The real, the real story of Columbus, of course, a lot of us know, but what's not so obvious is his influence over all of our lives. The things that he brought. Okay, Tesla's CEO uh, goes to Puerto Rico and... Um, wants to make a deal to provide solar energy. Look out, though. The guy is uh, anti-union, um, into automation. He's in love with automation. And uh, for all his energy and new age kind of persona, his opinions are just those of any kind of... Uh, millionaire owner of a company. Anyway, hopefully it can uh, influence him to treat his workers better. All right, let's see. Let's listen to little Miles Davis here. Then I'm going to bring up Radio Labor. Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, October 13th, 2017. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, what unions can do to better support people of color. How the International Alliance for Migrants is helping the world's 230 million migrant workers. And the Labor Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labor.
In the United Kingdom, the austerity program of the conservative government in the past few years has been disproportionately affecting people of color. And while labor unions have been doing their best to fight back, sometimes it takes new approaches to address the issue. One of those new approaches is to create groups which can work in parallel with the labor movement. That was the strategy adopted by a group in the UK called Black Activists Rising Against the Cuts, more commonly known by its acronym Barack. Zita Holborn is a vice president of the Public and Commercial Services Union in the UK. She is also a co-founder of Barack. She spoke at a recent forum on social justice issues organized by the Canadian Union of Public Employees. Barack was formed and established. We established it because I recognized that the work that I've been doing as a trade union activist, campaigning against cuts that had come under a former previous Labour government, uh, you know, a different leadership then than we have now, had already uh, adversely disproportionately impacted on black workers. And I should explain that when I use the term black, It's used in its broadest political sense to encompass everybody that is a person of colour. So that's how we use the term politically in the UK. And I recognise that under the new Tory government that we were going to face huge austerity and cuts and that was going to have a massive disproportionate impact, not just on black workers, but on black service users and communities. And I wanted to do more than I could do within my own union. We fight for freedom and justice and equality in trade unions, but we're also institutions and we also have bureaucracy, right? So I wanted to be able to organise outside of that structure, but alongside it at the same time and work within the trade union movement that I'm a part of, but also have that freedom to stand up and speak out and campaign with others. And um, what we find in the trade union movement is black workers join proportionately in the UK, but the higher you go up through the structures, the less of us there are. So there are barriers to participation and there is underrepresentation in our movement. And that means that we don't necessarily have the voices to make sure that our experience is heard at the highest levels and in the decision-making bodies, because that's fundamental and key. If you're not involved in the decision-making bodies, obviously I am as an individual, but across the board, not everybody is. So we formed Barrack because we wanted to bring communities, trade unions, workers, service users together in a way that actually they hadn't historically worked together in the UK. So you heard we always had community organisations and community activists, uh, but they weren't necessarily working with trade unions and trade unions weren't necessarily working with them because we recognise that this is a broader scale than anything we'd ever seen before. And if we didn't mobilise and organise our black communities, then we wouldn't be empowered and ready for that fight that we needed to have. We were literally bombarded 
with people asking for support and help. And part of what we did when we were initially established is to try and empower people. So we didn't want to get bogged down with the bureaucracy of an organisation and structure. We said, if you're a group of black people in any city or town, whether you're in Manchester or Birmingham, you call yourselves Barrack, you mobilise, you organise, you know, we'll help you do that. But also what we'll do is we'll provide you with the tools and the education so that you feel empowered, you understand how structures work, how the law works, how policies work, and you can empower yourselves and your local community to stand up to what's happening to you, but also be part of a broader movement. There are about 230 million migrant workers in the world, people who have left poverty, war, or other dire circumstances to work in another country. They are amongst the most exploited workers in the world. That is why the International Migrants Alliance was created in Hong Kong in 2008. Annie Lestari, the chairperson of the alliance, is an Indonesian domestic worker and migrant rights activist based in Hong Kong. I thought at least I will be treated as a human and it was the other way around because then the whole process of recruitment means you were confined, being trained and prepared in a way that you are actually a product. You know, they cut my hair, they clean my body, they, they dress me in a way I am a servant of the family. So I cannot have a freedom of holding, uh, even watching TV and so on. So they have the, this kind of very unique enslavement training. After five months of being confined in the name of training, I thought I got my freedom by flying somewhere else. But there, another type of confinement happened because the agency took away my documents, I was paperless, and then they confined me in a house without holiday, and they keep telling me, you are a new person, you don't have right like others. I was really bullied a lot. It was really an enslavement that I, it was not necessary. So when I ran away, then it opened the whole horizon that, you know, the whole labor migration is a scheme. It's a scheme because we were meant to be a slave in another country. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the average of 300 news stories added to our site each day last week. Our top stories section included links to stories about the Solidarity Work to Rule campaign mounted by Colombian air traffic controllers in support of striking airline pilots, a one-day strike by French public sector workers in a protest over legislated rollbacks to their pay and working conditions, and evidence collected by the International Transport Workers Federation that international container terminal services has been systematically engaged in undermining and ignoring fundamental labor rights at ports around the world. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Teachers across Somalia closed schools and rallied to demand their back pay. Public transport workers in Manchester, England, in Greece and in Brussels walked out in wage disputes. Public sector workers in Polynesia joined their mainland French comrades in a one-day strike against pay rollbacks. There was also a one-day walkout in Belgium where unions in the French-speaking section of that country organized protests over public service cuts. Indian waste collection workers downed tools at the start of a national holiday. Steel workers facing job cuts struck in protest across Italy. 
The long-standing strike against Service Port at Toronto's International Airport continued with temp agency scabs replacing highly trained strikers. And Pakistani medical institute workers were off the job in a wage dispute. Our top working women's stories included coverage of a comparison of efforts being made to close the gender pay gap in Iceland and in South Africa, the 20% pay gap in Britain's financial services industry, and a profile of a leading human rights defender and trade unionist in Zimbabwe. The Health and Safety Newswire, rerun in cooperation with Hazards magazine, carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about a Japanese worker driven to suicide by excessive overtime. The introduction of cooling jackets that also report on the health of construction workers in harsh weather conditions in Qatar, and reports of inadequate health and safety practices throughout Amazon's global operations. Currently, Labor Start is running five online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. And that's it. International labor news you can use. Radio Labor's newscasts are available on its website, iTunes, mobile phones, union websites, and community radio stations. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Labor. I'm Mark Belanche. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Okay, that was Radio Labor. I don't remember to leave my jazz on. Uh, that was Radio Labor uh, talking about worldwide labor issues. People who are thrown into groups like gangs of workers and moved all over the world. Labor is no different from other commodities and countries want to have Companies want to have access to workers at any time, anywhere. They want to be able to order workers, to order labor, and have it show up and get a job done and move on to the next. They're not thinking about you as a human being. They're not thinking about those people who work for them as human beings. Here's Andres Jimenez in a song that was uh, connected to a movement in Puerto Rico in the late 90s to oppose the privatization of the phone company. Los Tecnocratas. Y se roban los bienes del pueblo, no le importa tu parecer. El bizcocho en Santa Catalina se reparte con mucha cizaña. Ellos hablan de ir.
infraestructura pertenecen al gobierno araña. Es preciso, hay que detenerlos por el bien de nuestra cultura. Al gobierno que todo lo daña, el pueblo le dará mano dura. Sell the land. Sell the things that give them a place.
That was some more um, Andres Jimenez with America Canta, America Sings. And we played before that those technocratas, uh, people who wanted to wire and take, wire the whole island and take away the public phone company and replace it with a privatized Whatever it was, it certainly didn't work out very well for Puerto Rico. The place is devastated, and of course it's interesting to observe, to watch, and see. Besides sending help, besides... Look how Puerto Rico is being treated by her government. Hey, the U.S., colony of Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico's hands are tied. Puerto Rico doesn't even have its own sovereignty to import. Can't even do its own business when there's a disaster. Can't even import as much heating oil, for example, for two reasons. One, it's got to go through an American port so an American company can... <clears throat> profit from it. And second, the U.S. will not allow supplies from certain places to be distributed, namely from Cuba <clears throat> and Venezuela. Venezuela wanted to send heating oil. So people are saying, some rather ignorant people, it seems, at least ignorant of the situation, are saying, well, um, Puerto Rico didn't have a plan. Uh, Puerto Ricans just want us to, you know, us to fix it. It's the us and them. This is Mr. Trump said, you're messing up my budget. Our budget. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're citizens, right? How can you mess up your own budget? How can you not need help. Anyway, this is the B. Let's play some more music. Um, like I said, we played uh, Sinead, and that was relating to two things in my mind. <clears throat> First of all, to the terrible sadness of the people who have lost their homes and have lost family members in this great inferno that just engulfed the whole section of California. Whatever any of us can do for you, let's do it. And second, she, when she sang Danny Boy, it reminded me of a relative 
a cousin named Danny who we lost a long time ago when he was very young. And uh, Sinead, of course, is singing about all the Irish men who had to leave and join the army, fight for the king. All right, more music. That's what we're going to do here. This is The B, and you're listening to Mutiny Radio. And thank you for doing so, by the way. Okay. We ain't ready for war by the fruit of labor.
Broken hearted 
That was The Flash. Now in inimitable style. Uh, from their album Sandinista. Somebody Got Murdered. This is The Bee, and you're listening to Mutiny Radio. This is Labor and Love Radio. It's a Saturday morning in the Mission. On a smoky day, most of the... A lot of the schools in the area have closed down because of the smoke in the air, the air quality. Uh, it's been that smoky. The sunsets have been vivid and beautiful, but also kind of blurry. Uh, again, it seems like we're uh, stalked by misfortune, you know, murders in, uh, murder in Las Vegas, fires, hurricanes. It's about time we fess up that our way of life is not only polluting the earth, but it's turning us into, what, violent psychotics? I don't know, my, my mastery of the uh, terminology is not that good but uh, it seems like our way of life inculcates us all all with a kind of madness and some people just find terrible ways to compensate ah okay so how about uh, None of us are free. You better listen, my brother, because if you do, you can hear there are voices still calling from across the years. And they're crying across the ocean, they're crying across the land, and they're Come to understand None of us are free None of us are free None of us are free And one of us is chained None of us are free 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 And one of us is chained None of us are free There are people in darkness they just can't see the light If we don't say it's wrong Then that says it's right We got to feel for each other Let our brothers know we're here Got to get the message Send it out all loud and clear None of us are free Join together, spirit, heart, and mind. 
souls are suffering, know they're not
California Uberalis from the album Give Me Convenience or Give Me Death. Um, anyway, that's commentary on our time. I want to talk now a little bit about some issues that touch labor and working people. First one is the suit against Jerry Jones, in case you don't know. Former San Francisco 49er quarterback Colin Kaepernick started kneeling, taking a knee during the national anthem before the football game in protest, he said, of police brutality and white supremacy. And uh, it's been a political football. Of course, President Donald Trump Famously called players who might not want to do that sons of bitches, which ignited a whole bigger movement within the NFL. So now it's on the line. The Cowboys president, Jerry Jones, has told his players if they don't honor the flag by standing up and saluting, they'll be benched. But the players' union now is is uh, filing a suit against Jones, the team owner that the team owner violated the National Labor Relations Act. Benching would be a disciplinary act which would prevent them from working and we be a, as a punishment in everything that I've heard Mr. Jones say. Several NFL officials, owners, and coaches have established the player's right to protest and act concertedly. Okay, so the question is, when you go to work, do you surrender your civil rights? In other words, when you go to work, can you be forced to pay homage to a symbol like the flag? NFL Players Association says... NFL players are union members and part of the union movement that has woven the fabric of America. Some of the players have decided to use their platform to peacefully raise awareness in issues that deserve attention. And of course, you feel people... uh, you hear people saying, "Well, why don't they why don't they protest on their own time?" Well, that is their own time. Okay, whose time is it? Okay, they're working for a company voluntarily. People say they're pampered. No. No, they're not pampered, okay? Are they millionaires? Yes, a lot of them are. But the relationship between them, you can still tell, can you tell a millionaire that he has to salute the flag? Hmm. Anyway, strange. The union says NFL players have the right of concerted action to protest under National Labor Relations Act. Also, as far as the understanding with the National Football League, which says they should stand, but it doesn't say they have to, and it doesn't prescribe a penalty if they don't. 
see how that one comes out. Good luck. Pretty soon, Trump will gut the National Labor Relations Board. Sexual harassment. It's a huge case against producer Harvey Weinstein. This is on-the-job stuff. These are people who are in a business relationship, by and large. And Harvey Weinstein has decided to take advantage of that and throw his power around. Dozens of women now, some famous, some not so, have come out and talked about incidents where Weinstein took advantage of an incident and touched something or got the women alone and tried to force them to do things or to watch him masturbate. Um, and we all know this. We all know this. We all talk about the, the casting couch. We know that young women in this industry are treated like property. They're there to be used. And they, of course, they want the attention. They want the fame. Okay? And some of them are willing to sleep with studio executives like Harry, Harry, Harvey Weinstein. But the requirement is there. That should not be there. Some of them choose to do it. Some of them don't. The problem is the requirement. You have to do what Harvey wants. Oliver Stone as well, grabbing a woman's breast on the way out of a meeting. Uh, anyway, another Cosby. These things are... As this woman's movement becomes stronger and as the decline of of print literature, of magazines, turns into a bunch of bloggers online. Uh, the whole basis that kept the Harvey Weinsteins in power uh, is sort of falling away. We'll see how that one plays out as well. But job harassment is... A fact for women. It will come as no shock. This is an article from XX Factor, What Women Really Think. And it's headed with, Sexual harassment runs rampant in the restaurant industry. It will come as no shock to anyone who has waited tables or tended bar. A new report on sexual harassment in the restaurant industry has found that 90%, 90 percent, 90% of female restaurant workers have experienced sexual harassment on the job. Two-thirds of the women in the field reported being harassed by managers. 69% experienced sexual teasing or lewd comments from co-workers. And 78% reported harassment from customers. More than half of the women who reported sexual harassment said it occurred on at least 
a daily basis. Customers are a particular problem for female workers, especially workers who work for tips. Their job is to be accommodating and pleasing, and creepy men take full advantage of the situation. 43% of women reported being pressured for dates from customers. 35% reported that the harassment became physical with deliberate or pinching, deliberate touching or pinching. And 17% said it escalated to kissing or groping. Management is unlikely to help much either as the idea that female restaurant workers are there to sexually entertain male customers is deeply ingrained in restaurant culture. The function of, of these working women is to make men feel good, to make men feel attractive, to give men a sense of power over them. Nearly 9 in 10 tipped workers in the industry have to wear uniforms to work. And workers report that the women's uniforms are more suggestive than the men's most of the time. 20% they were told to look sexy. 17% were expected to flirt with customers. Yeah, when you walk in and it's like all male bartenders and all female cocktail servers explain one Houston worker in the report. And all the men are wearing comfortable shoes, slacks, and a button-up shirt. And all the girls are wearing, like, corsets. At least we had to wear pencil skirts or shorts, no pants. And we had to wear at least an inch heel shoe. This is all a result of a restaurant worker advocacy organization. Restaurant Opportunity Centers United and the Social Justice Group Forward Together. Especially now, 43% of food spending is now on restaurant food, up from 26 in 19, 26% in 1970. Sexual harassment is a fact of life for most working women. Come on, what you know, what's the is that a big deal to understand that? lots of talk about job creators. This is what businesses now call themselves in order to kiss up to workers. We're job creators. We're giving you your job. Oh yeah, you're working for it and we're underpaying you, but we're giving you a job. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a job. This is from Henrik Smith, a labor writer and author who talks about what the rich really do with their money. They often don't hint, they often don't create jobs. 
Would you? And welcome to the Union Edge Labor's Talk Radio. This is Nathan Ruggles here with you today. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. I'd like to recognize a couple of our sponsors. That includes the PSEA as well as United Steelworkers. They uh, help uh, keep us on the air here with the Union Edge. And just so you know, you can always head out to our website at theunionedge.com. Uh, there you can not only... Uh, catch a list of all the stations across the country where you can hear our programs. But uh, we have links to our back catalog of our past podcasts, as well as a link to listen live right there online. So it's uh, my pleasure to have our next guest here. He's uh, back with us. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning author, a correspondent, a PBS producer, author of Who Stole the American Dream. Uh, Hedrick Smith is with us today. Hedrick, thanks for coming on the program. Good to be with you, Nathan. I hope people will remember also the website, reclaimtheamericandream.org. Absolutely. In fact, uh, that's uh, what we're talking about today. Uh, you have an excellent piece up there uh, on the website about uh, a myth, a myth regarding uh, tax cuts and, and job growth. We, we've heard this uh, recent proposals coming out of the Trump administration, a uh, big tax cut proposal. But uh, in, as you point out here in this piece, that uh, this myth is out there. Tell us about what, what is this myth? Well, this that happens. You're about? This happens um, every ten or fifteen years in American politics, and it usually happens when Republicans are in control of the White House and and the Congress. But uh, they're backed by big business, uh, and big business likes to cut taxes, particularly likes to cut corporate taxes. They did it under Reagan. They did it under Bush, and now President Trump has come up with another big tax plan. And what gets trotted out every time is that if we cut taxes on big business and we cut taxes on the wealthy, bring down the tax rates, that's going to create a sudden burst of investment. That's going to lead to economic growth. It's going to produce more jobs and it's going to generate higher wages. And so President Trump is uh, up in coal country or he's out in the Midwest or he's traveling the country talking to ordinary workers saying, you know, if we get these huge tax cuts, and I'm going to give you the biggest tax cuts we ever had in the history of the country. That's right. The greatest tax cuts, right? What? That's right. To hear Trump say it, the greatest yeah, it's tax the greatest. cuts. Right. It's the greatest. Uh, huge. It's huge. huge uh, yes. Anyway, uh, the track record doesn't show that at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's really good research to, to indicate the opposite is the case. Um, and, uh, back in 2012, uh, during the election campaign when uh, President Obama was running for re-election. Uh, you know, they had Mitt Romney running against him. He was a businessman. He was saying exactly the same kind of things that Trump is saying today. Sure. And so uh, people asked the Congressional Research Service, which is nonpartisan, supposed to serve both parties in the, in the House and in the Senate, That's to right. go do some research on this. And what they did is they went back and they take a look at it. And I'll just read you one sentence from their report. Uh, the reduction in the top tax rates appears to be uncorrelated with saving investment and productivity growth. In other words, what taxes, uh, lo lowering the top tax rates does, it said, was to fuel economic inequality. So that's Congressional Research Service says it. Then, uh, then there's a study done in Harvard Business Review by an economist at the University of Massachusetts. Um, and he takes a look at what businesses actually do. And he looks back at the time when the tax rates were high 
under Eisenhower, under Kennedy, tax rates on corporations uh, and on individuals were as high, individuals, not corporations, were as high as 90%, yeah, 70%, yes. 75%. Uh, and at that point, business was investing pretty close to the Standard and Poor 500s were investing pretty close to 50% of their profits every year they were plowing back into the business. Research and development, new uh, fields, new areas they're trying to go into, new markets, uh, retraining workers, raising workers' pay, and so forth. And the other half of their earnings went to their stockholders and their shareholders uh, in return for their investment. And this is back in the 50s and 60s? This is back in the, well, it's actually in the 70s, uh, 60s, 70s, into the early 80s, but particularly in the 70s. Fast forward 30 years, you get to the 2000s. What's going on? The tax rates have come down. We're talking about top marginal tax rates are no longer in the 70% range, 75% range. They're down in the 35% tax range. So investment should be gangbusters, right, according right. to the, the theory. It should sure, be gangbusters. Sure. Everything should be going coming up roses, and lots of growth and so forth. Uh, and what this researcher does is he goes and he checks what the businesses did. And it turned out in the t- decade from 2000 to 2010, businesses – reinvested 9%, not 50%, 9% of their profits, and they returned 91% to their shareholders. In other words, it's baloney. Uh, When they got lower tax rates, they didn't invest. What they did was they actually gave the money to uh, the wealthy, the people who were invested in in, uh, stock shares, to Wall Street. And, And it's interesting, just recently, an international accounting firm did a private poll among business leaders and it asked them what they were planning to do if there was a tax cut what would they do with the windfall of savings that they got right. uh, this isn't this isn't some academic study this is actually asking the folks but it's business people talking to business people so they're a little bit more honest and it's business people talking privately so it turns out that only 23% said they would invest in more growth, more jobs, and higher wages. And the other big majority said, nope, they were going to take the tax savings and they were going to pay it out to shareholders in the form of higher dividends and stock buybacks. So you've got two research reports saying this is what's happened in the past. And you have the folks who are running businesses saying today, this is what we're going to do. And it's directly at odds with what the president's saying, what members of Congress are saying. And by the way, what business leaders are saying publicly when they're asked on television what they're going to do. Sure. And so this whole idea that these tax cuts are going to lead to job growth, that these companies are going to be investing it in jobs, is is indeed a myth. And, it, and, you, and as you mentioned as well... Here in your piece, it's not just that there is not a correlation between these two things, the tax cuts do not equal job growth, but there is something it does result in, right, in terms of our inequality. Yeah, there's no question. It fuels inequality. I mean, what's going on here is, is you know, people at the top end, uh, people in the top 1%, the top 0.1%, they're going to wind up by saving $100,000, $200,000 on their taxes, which they're going to spend on yachts or investments or whatever it is they want to do. And people down in the middle are maybe going to save a few hundred dollars. And some people in the upper middle, uh, the way things are shaping up, are actually going to pay higher taxes. Uh, and people at the very bottom are not going to notice any difference at all because their tax rate is either non, non-existent uh, or, or very, very low. So 
that's the reason I call it a myth. It, it, it's a myth. We're talking mythology. We're not talking. There's no evidence behind uh, what uh, what is being marketed uh, politically on Capitol Hill and by the president around the country. The track record doesn't show it, uh, and neither does the, the stated, the privately stated intentions of these big businesses. I mean, it, it, it's a. It's amazing, and, and, and there have been some other studies that have actually taken a look at what happened uh, when there were breaks. Back in 2005, okay. there were a lot of American multinationals that had a trillion dollars worth of profits they had made in China and in Europe and all over Asia. They had it all stashed overseas because when they brought it back to America, it was going to get taxed at a 35% corporate tax rate. And so they said, look, we can bring this money home. There's hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars, excuse me, hundreds of billions of dollars. And these are if all profits home, that from overseas that they These are profits over, from overseas. Right? We'll bring them home, but you've got to give – and we'll create jobs. We'll invest them in jobs. But you've got to give us what they call the tax holiday, a break on the tax rate. And that's exactly what happened. President George Bush proposed and Congress passed a bill that would permit American companies to bring home their overseas profits, repatriate them is what they call it. And they got a 5.5% tax rate instead of 35%. They said, we're going to plow that into jobs. So they brought the hundreds of billions of dollars home. Well, some economists went back and took a look two or three years later and said, what happened to the money? They tracked it. 90% of the money went to shareholders in the form of higher dividends uh, and bonuses to CEOs and stock buybacks of the companies, which has the effect of raising the stock price. Okay, so it's a myth. It's a myth that when rich people get money, they reinvest it and quote-unquote create jobs. It's not true. By and large, they don't do that. They do what you or I might do. They go out and buy a yacht or they go somewhere and spend a lot of money or... This is the B. We're listening to Labor and Love. Let's listen to the Shirelles. This is in honor of my sister, Alexandra Morgan, who's getting married today, later on today. Congratulations to her and to Ricardo, her fiancé. Let's see if we can get him. Let me start that one over.
Sherelle's there. Now, this is uh, from a young lady who lives in San Isidro, California, right close to the border with Mexico, near San Diego, south of San Diego. Uh, this young woman's name is Gisela, and her song is called Standing on Top. Domestic violence rears its ugly head. Another form of exploitation.
The day of the Geechee is gone, boy. And you going with it. Yeah, nigga. Immortal technique. Metaphysics. The bling bling error was cute, but it's about to be done I leave you full of clips like the moon blocking the sun My metaphors are dirty like herpes, but harder to catch Like an escape tunnel in prison, I started from scratch And now these parasites want a percent of my ass cap Trying to control perspective like an acid flashback But here's a quotable for every single record exec Get your fucking hands out my pocket, nigga, like Malcolm X But this ain't a movie, I'm not a fan or a groupie And I'm not the type of cat you can afford to miss if you shoot me Curse the heavens and laugh when the sky electrocutes me Immortal techniques stuck in your thoughts Darkening dreams No one's as good as me They just got better marketing schemes I lead you to your own destruction Like sparking a fiend Cause you got jealousy in your voice Like Starscream And that's the primary reason That I hate y'all faggots I've been nice since niggas got killed Over eight ball jackets And Reebok pumps That didn't do shit for the sneaker I'm a heat seeker With features that'll reach through the speaker And murder counter revolutionaries Personally Break a thermometer And force feed his kids Mercury, A&R's tried jerking me, thinking they call shots, offered me a deal, and a blanket full of smallpox, you're all getting shot, you little fucking treacherous bitches. This is the business, and y'all ain't getting nothing for free, and if you devils play broke, then I'm taking your company, you could call it reparations or restitution, lock and load, nigga, industrial revolution. I want 53 million dollars for my Kalistans Like the Bush administration gave to the Taliban And fuck packing grams, nigga Learn to speak and behave You wanna spend 20 years as a government slave Two million people in prison Keep the government paid Stuck in a six by eight cell Alive in a grave I was made by revolution To speak to the masses Deep in the club, toast the truth Reach for your glasses I'll burn an orphanage Just to bring heat to you bastards Innocent deep in the casket Colombian fashion Intoxicated off the flow like thugs passion you motherfuckers will never get me to stop blasting you better off asking ariel sharon for compassion you better off begging for 20 points from a label you better off battling cancer under telephone cables technique chemically unstable set to explode foretold by the dead sea scrolls written in code so if your message ain't shit fuck the records you sold because if you go platinum it's got nothing to do with luck it just means that a million people are stupid as fuck stuck in the underground a general that rose to the limit without distribution managers a dealer a gimmick revolutionary volume 2 murder the critics and leave your fucking body rotten for the roaches and crickets this is the business and y'all ain't getting nothing for free and if you devils play broke then i'm taking your company you could call it reparations or restitution lock and load nigga industrial revolution So we're going to finish up today with this beautiful rendition of Bed by Jack Kerouac. San about Francisco. living in San Francisco in the, the 50s. Third and Townsend. 
October and the railroad. Lazy afternoons with everybody at work and offices. In the air, you feel the impending rush of their commuter frenzy. As soon they'll be charging en masse for market and sansom buildings on foot and in buses and all well dressed through working man Frisco of walk up truck drivers. And even the poor grime be marked Third Street of lost bums, even Negroes so hopeless and long left East and meanings of responsibility and try. That now all they do is stand there spitting in the broken glass, sometimes 50 in one afternoon against one wall at Third and Howard. It is all these Milbray and San Carlos neat necktied producers and commuters of America and steel civilization rushing by with San Francisco chronicles and green call bulletins, not even enough time to be disdainful. They've got to catch 130, 132, 134, 136, all the way up to 146 till the time of evening supper in homes of the railroad earth, when high in the sky the magic stars ride above the following hotshot freight trains. It's all in California. It's all a sea. I swim out of it in afternoons of sun-hot meditation in my jeans with head on handkerchief on brakeman's lantern or, if not working, on book. I look up at blue sky of perfect lost purity and feel the warp of wood of old America beneath me. And I have insane conversations with Negroes in second-story windows above, and everything is pouring in. The switching moves of boxcars in that little alley, which is so much like the alleys of Lowell, and I hear far off in the sense of coming night that engine calling our mountains. But it was that beautiful cut of clouds I could always see above the little SP alley. Puffs floating by from Oakland, or the gate of Marin to the north, or San Jose south. The clarity of Cal to break your heart. It was the fantastic drowse and drum hum of lum mum afternoon, nothing to do. Old Frisco with end of land sadness. The people, the alley full of trucks and cars of businesses nearabouts. Nobody knew or far from cared who I was all my life, 3,500 miles from birth all opened up and at last belonged to me in great America. Now it's night in Third Street. The keen little neons and also yellow bulb lights of impossible to believe flops. The dark ruined shadows moving back of torn yellow shades like a degenerate China with no money. The cats in Annie's alley. The flop comes on, moans, rolls. The street is loaded with darkness. Blue sky above with stars hanging high over old hotel roofs and blowers of hotels moaning out dusts of interior. The grime inside the word in mouths is falling out tooth by tooth. The reading rooms tick-tock big clock with creek chair and slant boards and old faces looking up over rimless spectacles bought in some West Virginia or Florida or Liverpool, England pawn shop long before I was born. And across rains, they've come to the end of the land sadness, end of the world gladness. All your San Francisco will have to fall eventually and burn again. But I'm walking, and one night, a bum fell into the hole of the construction job where they're tearing a sewer by day. The husky Pacific and electric youths in torn jeans who work there, often I think of going up to some of them, like, say, blonde ones with wild hair and torn shirts, and they say, 
You ought to apply for the railroad. It's much easier work. You don't stand around the street all day and you get much more pay. But this bum fell in the hole. You saw his foot stick out. British MG, also driven by some eccentric, once backed into that hole. And as I came home from a long Saturday afternoon local to Hollister, out of San Jose, miles away across virtuous fields of prune and juice joy, here's this British MG backed and legs up, wheels up into a pit and bums and cops standing right outside the coffee shop. It was the way they fenced it, but he never had the nerve to do it due to the fact that he had no money and nowhere to go and oh, his father was dead and oh, his mother was dead and oh, his sister was dead and oh, his whereabout was dead, was dead. But and then at that time also, I used to lay in my room on long Saturday afternoons listening to Jumpin' George with my fifth toque, no tea, and just under the sheets laughed to hear the crazy music. Mama, he treats your daughter mean. Mama, Papa, don't you come in here, I'll kill you, etc. Getting high by myself in room glooms, and all wondrous knowing about the Negro, the essential American, out there, always finding his solace, his meaning, in the Fellaheen street, and not an abstract morality. And even when he has a church, you see the pastor out front bowing to the ladies on the make. You hear his great vibrant voice on the Sunday afternoon sidewalk full of sexual vibratos saying, why, yes, ma'am, but the gospel do say that man was born of woman's womb. <laughs> no, and so, by that time, I come crawling out of my warm sack and hit the street. When I see the railroad ain't gonna call me till 5 a.m. Sunday morning, probably, for a local out of Bay Shore. In fact, always for a local out of Bay Shore. And I go to the whale bar of all the wild bars in the world, the one and only Third and Howard. And there I go in and drink with the madmen, and if I get drunk, I get the girl who come up to me in there one night, I was there with Al Buckle, said to me, you want to play with me tonight, Jim? And I didn't think I, <laughs> I didn't think I had enough money. And I told this to Charlie Lowe and he laughed, said, how do you know she wanted money? Always take the chance that she might be out just for love or just out for love. You know what I mean, don't be a sucker. She was a good looking doll. And she said, how would you like to ooh you cool with me, mon? And I stood there like a jerk. In fact, bought drink, got drink drunk that night in a 299 club. I was hit by the proprietor, the band breaking up the fight. Before I had a chance to decide to hit him back, which I didn't want to do anyway. And out on the street, I tried to rush back in, but they had locked the door and were looking at me through the forbidden glass in the door with faces like undersea. I should have played with her shoo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-
I can make a world-famous beauty neglect her looks. I can make a good man forsake his wife, send a greedy man to prison for the rest of his life. I can make a man forsake his country and flag, make a girl sell her body for a five-dollar bag. Some think my adventures are joy and a thriller, but I'll put a gun in your hand and make you a killer. In cellophane bags, I found my way to heads of state, to children at play. I financed in China, ran in Japan. I'm respected in Turkey, and I'm legal in Siam. I take my addicts and make them steal, borrow, beg. Then they search for a van and the arm of the leg. So be you Italian, Jewish, black, or mixed. I can make the most pearl of men forget their sex. So now, so now, my man, you must, you know, do your best to keep up your habit until your arrest. Now the police have taken you from under my wing. Do you think they dare defy me? I who am king. Now you must lie in that county jail where I can't get to you. By visit our mail. So squirm with discomfort, wiggle and cough. <coughs> Six days of madness, <laughs> and you might throw me off. Curse me in name, defy me in speech, but you'd pick me up right now if I were in your reach. All through your center, you become resolved to your fate. Fear not, young man or woman, I'll be waiting at the gate. And don't be afraid, don't run, I'll not chase. Sure, my name is Helwin, and you'll be back for a taste. Behold, you're hooked. Your foot is in the stirrup, and make haste, mount the steed, and ride him well. For the white horse of Helwin will ride you to hell. To hell will ride you to hell. Until you are dead, dead brother, dead. This is a revolution of the mind. Get your mind together and get away from drugs. That's. Okay, everybody, that about does it for uh, Labor and Love today. Congratulations to my sister. Hello to everybody out there. So, Nina, Vito, makes me proud to be a dad. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table where you work, you're probably on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Goodbye. See you next Saturday.
Tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Looking for a personal injury lawyer in San Francisco, look no further than Francis J. Shaheda. Mr. Shaheda did an amazing job with my case. First, he informed the courts about my case that had not been scheduled or submitted yet, despite the language on the citation. I was so confused and afraid of the legal system, but he did it all for me. He communicated promptly via email with any of my questions. I was afraid of an enormous fine for a small infraction, as well as a criminal offense on my record, but he spoke to the DA to have my case removed from criminal court and put into the community court system. I am so overwhelmingly happy with the results he generated and would recommend him to anyone with legal issues. This is a personal first-person narrative because Francis J. Shaheda helped me personally, helped Mutiny Radio go to him for personal injury issues. You can email him at www.personalinjuryattorney.com fjs.com again the law office of francis j shaheda in san francisco do you need an awesome and underground space for an event Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event. Now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Oh. 
October 6th, come join us at Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse for Johan Miranda. Headlining 50 minutes. Opening sets by Amy Bebo, Clay Newman, and Pam Benjamin. Don't miss this incredible headliner for only $10. Friday, October 6th at 8 p.m. Buy your tickets now on Eventbrite. Check us out on Facebook. Like all those comics, and please come support Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday at 8 o'clock. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere fun. $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I used to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Hey, people, get get ready, because this is the Oregon version of Flat Black Plastic on Mutiny Radio. These are over because I brought, bought and brought and rot. So the boy, stand tall to other states. So the boy, blow this for the business in it. 